man, oh man. I'm so, I don't know that I've ever been full of as much anticipation as I am right now this morning. I don't even know where to begin. I should know where to begin, but I don't. Let me, let me uh, pray again. I rarely do this, but I do it some. Let me, let me pray again for, uh, for a few things. Lord, we just thank, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you so much for what you're doing here. I thank you so much for this word. You are a speaking God, and this is the word that you have for your people this morning. Lord, would you give us faith this morning? Would you help us surrender to your perfect word and to your Holy Spirit? You are 100% good. Would you align our theology or our lack of theology with your word? Would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit? And Jesus, would you meet with us this morning? I, I want to confess, too, this morning that uh, I just want to say, Holy Spirit, come. I confessed earlier this week and want to confess as a sort of representative of this body and an under-shepherd under you, Jesus, of this body, that I have for far too long not given you your due place, Holy Spirit, third person of the one God. You are fully God. You're not part God. You're not less than Jesus or the Father. You are fully God, and for a long time, I have sort of de facto uh, worshiped Father, Son, and Holy Bible. We believe the Bible is your perfect word, but I have not given you due place, Holy Spirit. And so I repent, and on behalf of this congregation, I re- we repent, Lord. We acknowledge you fully as God and as the one who takes us to Christ and who takes, brings Christ to us. So come, Holy Spirit. Um, we love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Let's go. So a little disclaimer here before I start. I, and the disclaimer is simply, this is the text that I chose for this morning. We're walking straight through Acts. We're not going to skip anything, God willing. But rather than trying to, you guys know that I never have a lack of things to say. There's, the problem is always there's too much to say, right? And so rather than trying to preach the whole chapter today, I, really, I chose just to focus on this first section, which is, it's pretty simple. It's profound, but it's simple in that they are walking up to the temple, Peter and John, and in Jesus' name, they see a man healed. That's what happens. Right after this, Peter uses this as a platform to proclaim the gospel. Don't worry. The disclaimer is don't worry. That's next week. Next week, we're going to look at, so past couple of weeks, we've looked at Peter's Pentecost sermon. How does he preach the gospel uh, to the, what becomes the first church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down? Uh, but we're going to look at it again. The, the gospel is preached a number of times throughout the book of Acts, and people are healed a number of times throughout the book of Acts. So you're going to hear this kind of stuff again, but as it comes according to God's word. So don't feel like I'm, this is a sermon on healing and on God uh, demonstrating Christ in power. The proclamation part, we believe in too, and the main part of that text is next week. So uh, don't get worried. Uh, don't get worried. Okay. I'm quoting someone here, Brian Blount, from whom I'll, I'll take quite a bit today. As soon as I saw him, compassion hit my heart. All I wanted to do was get home and nerd out on my new MacBook Pro. I asked God, can it wait? Okay, what happens here is there's this book that I've given to some of our leaders and I would encourage you to buy and to read and spend time with. Um, it's called Putting Jesus on Display with Love and Power by Brian Blount. And honestly, we're going to get into what, it, what he talks about here, but he just shares a bunch of stories about Jesus moving in power through him and really how Jesus wants to move in power through us as he does through Peter and John here. 
and then to get people to a place of openness where they say, Jesus, you are Lord. I want all, all, that, you, all that you are and all that you came to bring. So um, this is one of a hundred stories, legion stories that he tells in the book where he, God's just using him constantly just to, just to proclaim Christ to people in word and deed. And he was at a, at a mall, let's say like, it wasn't the Galleria, but in our case, it'd be maybe the Galleria. And he was, he had a few friends in the Mac store, in the Apple store, and he was going to get a new MacBook Pro. They was waiting for him and he was excited. And he saw, uh, he's just always on the lookout for people that need Jesus, right? People that need healing, people that need Jesus. Um, maybe they already have him, but just looking for a chance to proclaim Christ. And he sees this guy come out of a store with crutches and he, he, his instinct is, he's, like he said, a heart of compassion, which is the number one emotion ascribed to our Lord Jesus in the Gospels, is compassion. When he sees people hurting, when he sees sheep without a shepherd, compassion arises. This is the heart of God. And so he has compassion. He has the heart of Christ for this person. And immediately he's like, man, I just, I just I'm on my way. I'm 10 steps from the Mac store, and I just want to go get my Mac and go nerd out at home and play with it. And he asked God, threw up an arrow prayer, can it wait? And he felt like the Lord said to him in response, yeah, it can wait. But his own interpretation of that is, yeah, it can wait. The guy will probably be gone and I'll use someone else. But he didn't want to miss that. He knew the Mac would be there, but the guy would be gone. And so he goes and he just, okay, so he goes and he talks to the guy. He gets his story. I'm not going to give the full of any of his stories here in this book. Go read it if you want them, but there's a lot more detail. But basically, the short of it is this guy got in a car wreck. He said, hey, man, what happened? And he leads by asking just a bunch of questions, usually, and listening, seeing where God would go. And yeah, I got hit by a car, and um, I was in a wheelchair until recently. I just got on crutches, and, and I'm in pain constantly. And so he starts talking to the guy, and long story short, um, he's like, man, I'm a, I'm a believer, and I, and I believe Jesus can heal that and wants to heal that. Let's see what happens. Can I pray for you right here? Okay, sure. Prays for him. Ends up, the guy gets completely in stages, but the guy gets completely healed, throws his crutches away, kind of makes a scene in the mall, and he ends up walking up a series of steps. And by the time he gets to the steps, he just folds like a cheap suit and starts crying. He's like, I can't believe this. He goes, this is the love of Jesus Christ for you. And they ended up praying. He said, Would you, do you want Jesus? Do you want to pray and, and ask Jesus in your heart and, and bow to him as Lord and Savior? Absolutely. So the guy comes to Christ. He gets healed. And a lot of this happens outside the Mac store and the people in the Mac store, like there's a cr- kind of a crowd forming, but he has friends that are in the Apple store. And so they're kind of like going, hey, yeah, it's Jesus. Uh, the guy loves Jesus and it's Jesus doing all this stuff through him. And so he kind of has something going on, probably even when he goes to get his Mac. And the point is, um, it happens along the way. He has a show, let's show Jesus and let's tell Jesus along life's narrow way. Wherever we are, we're carriers of Christ. And that's what we see here um, with John and with Peter. They are going up the temple. So we have, you know, um, we have, he gives examples um, of going through the drive-through and doing the same sort of things with folks, praying for them, loving on them, telling them Jesus loves them, seeing folks healed. Stoplights in court. He tells the story of being in court on an Uber ride at the grocery store um, at a water park in a lazy river with the kids. He's got six kids. Um, this morning, this is my tiny version of starting to try to live this way a little bit more. Um, I all, you, if you know me at all, you know that I always uh, go to Whataburger on Sunday morning. It's really the only time I go. Not to get a burger, but I always get two taquitos, potato, egg, and cheese. They know me. Elva's my girl. She always gives me my taquitos, and so we talk a little bit. And usually, I've asked her to church before, and I mean, she works on Sunday typically, so it's like, if you ever don't, we'd love to come. We'd love you to come. And um, so she knows I'm a believer, and 
But this morning I was about to preach this sermon. So I was like, all right, I gotta like, not just tell her about Jesus, but see if I can pray for her, put Jesus on display. And so I said, hey, Elva, is there any way I can pray for, anything I can pray for you for? And she said, uh, yeah, my knee really hurts. It's been swelling up a lot lately and it's really hard to walk on. I was like, oh, okay, can I pray right now? Sure, because there's nobody behind me. So I checked. And, um, and so I'm like, and so she says, sure. So I just pray for her. And, and uh, you know, it, it would have been, there probably wouldn't have been, I don't know, I'll check next week, see if the Lord did anything, see if he healed her, see if the pain lessened, pray for her again, if not. But um, I think immediately, if I'd said, hey, you know, Jesus loves you, and I have told her that before, I think, but I don't know that there would have been any need, any openness necessarily, but all of a sudden when someone prays for you and says, hey, is there, do you have a need? How can I pray for you? Yeah, my knee's swelling. Can I, can I pray for that? Yeah, Jesus loves you. He has the power to heal that. Um, that can lead to deeper things, and that's, it, that's a huge part of the point. He cares about our bodies. He cares about our souls. He cares about us holistically, and often this creates an avenue for us. And so, um, again, Peter and John, the context here, they were not going to perform a miracle. What was happening? What was going on in this context here in, at the beginning of Acts 3? Where are they headed? Yeah, they're going up to the temple just to pray. So there are, there's, there are uh, regular sacrifices at the temple twice a day, in the morning and in the evening, every day. And they're going up for three o'clock prayer before the, uh, the evening sacrifice. So they're just, they're just in their routine. They're on the way, a long life's narrow way, right? Um, so a couple, a couple things on that point here. Um, one is Peter and John were still observant Jews. It's not like once they came to Christ, they jettisoned their, their uh, Jewishness. Not, not at all. Um, they didn't see Jesus as starting a new religion, meaning they, they jettisoned their faith. Quite the contrary. They saw Jesus as fulfilling their faith. He was the Messiah to which the long centuries had inexorably and gloriously led them. And why do I kind of belabor that? That really isn't the main point of this sermon this morning, but I belabor that mainly because it lines up so perfectly with what's coming this week and for the next three weeks, which is that we, we have a series of multi-faith talks every Thursday, starting this Thursday, the February 6th, then the 13th, the following Thursday, and then the 20th from seven to nine. Uh, two, the first two are at synagogues, and then the next one's at, um, at a sort of multi-faith um, mosque. Yeah, Turkish mosque. And it's Christians, Jews, and, um, and Muslims getting together, just to, not to say we believe the same thing, quite the contrary, to say, here's what we believe. We're all going to talk about creation. We're going to have you guys talk together. So it's a real chance to meet them, to, to start to form friendships with them, to listen, to love them, to present Christ to them in whatever way we can. Um, and with the Jews um, in particular, just talking to them about how like, we, we, we don't see our faith as a part. We see our faith as the fulfillment. We see Jesus as your Messiah and ours. And um, that leads to a text that we were sharing with a rabbi that's involved in this this week. He's, he's the rabbi of the, um, the synagogue that's gonna host our second talk, February 13th, which I would in particular ask you to please, February 13th, seven to nine, please mark your calendar and please try to come to that. It's at their synagogue on uh, Bering. It's a reformed synagogue next to Bethel Church. And uh, Rabbi Gross texted us. He was, he's really funny, and this is a jocular uh, text, but he said, I can, I can represent the dark side if need be. You know, so we're always laughing about like what we have in common, what we differ on, but we're, we have a real friendship. We've been meeting for over a year together monthly. And my response to him in text was, Rabbi, you're not the dark side, you're the A side, we're the B side. Together we make a full album, which 
which, I mean, the metaphor, yeah, the metaphor breaks down on a number of fronts. It was a text, give me a break. Um, we were joking, but uh, the point is, what did Jesus say? He said, I didn't, he said this to Jews, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So come for that, um, and I thought that point was particularly germane this morning. They were going up, Peter and John were going up for Jewish prayers. Their Messiah was the whole, he made sense of everything that they'd been living for for centuries, okay? And he still does today. So, um, but two, and this gets to the main point this morning, show and tell ministry happens here where it happened for Peter and John. Where it happened for me and Elva this morning, which is a tiny thing. We'll see what, what comes of that. A little seed was planted maybe. It, it happened where, uh, it happens at the stoplight, in the grocery store, in the mall going to get your Mac. It happens at the pace of life. It happens along the way. Bible studies, church gatherings. This is, I mean, this gathering is just the pace of life. It's one of the regular rhythms of God's good grace that he's given to us as his people, just like Peter and John, going up to prayer, to feed and then to see what he might do, to worship him together and to bring and to invite people in to his family in Christ's name. Okay, so the first point here is just simply that Jesus heals. He is the king and he came to bring full restoration. Brian Blount, the author of this book that I held up a second ago, on the, on the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, you know, he's quoting part of the Great Commission, go and make disciples, Jesus said to his disciples right before he ascended, he said, go, he's risen from the grave, he has all authority, and he says, therefore, because I have all authority as the Son of God and as a true man, as fully man and fully God, the second Adam that did what the first Adam did not do, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, I think the first question I would ask here is, is this, what Jesus is telling to his apostles, is this through the apostles for us as well? Is the Great Commission for us or is it just for them? And I hope you, I hope you would admit that it's, it's for them, but through them, it's for us. I've never heard a Christian say, yeah, the Great Commission was just for the apostles. It's for us. It's not just, it's not the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission and it's the great command to go and make disciples. And what did Jesus say here? He said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All, all. How does a Presbyterian hear that? And I grew up Presbyterian and I still am. We're a Presbyterian church in that we have presbyters, we have elders, we have a plurality of shepherds for you, not just me. And those are gonna be ordained, God willing, in a couple months, okay? Um, but as a Presbyterian, I would, I, I would hear that typically as talk teaching, as the tell part. I would never hear that really as anything other than demonstrating through the fruit of the spirit, through love, the way you treat people and teaching like teaching in a classroom kind of setting. But listen to this in Luke 9, what, did, what, what happens? And Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So what did he send them out to do? What did he commission them to do? What did he command them to do? To proclaim the kingdom of God with their words, to articulate it, to articulate the good news of Jesus Christ and then, and what? To heal and to cast out demons, to bring freedom in word and deed, to tell and to show, to proclaim and to demonstrate. And what we see in the ministry of Jesus, what do we see in the book of Acts? Same exact thing. It's Jesus continuing to do and to teach through his body. Do you see? Do you see? Um, so when Jesus commands them to obey all, when he says, teach all that I have commanded you, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, it's, it's, it's to teach, but it's also to, to heal, to deliver of demons, 
to bring freedom in the king's name, in word and deed. It's a show and tell gospel. Let me read you, this wasn't part of your text this morning, but we're gonna get there next week. Verse 16, this is Peter. Once he uses what Christ has done through them to heal, he uses that as a platform. He doesn't just go, okay, Jesus, there are a ton of people that are around now and let's just keep moving. He doesn't do that. He uses it as a platform to proclaim Christ which is what Brian Blount does, which is what we have been called to do as well, okay? In verse 16, part of that proclamation, it says, and in his name, Peter's speaking to hundreds here, by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And I wanna say quite straightforwardly, this challenges me as a Presbyterian, and this, I think that this challenges us we would say the exact same thing, but we would substitute the word saved for made this man strong and perfect health. Okay, so we would say, faith in his name has saved you. Uh, faith that is through Jesus has given this man salvation. But he says perfect health, right? That's what he does. Jesus came to save us. He also came to set us free from all sorts of demonic and physical oppression. Is this saying, okay, why are we scared of saying this? Because a lot of reasons. One of them is because we don't see a lot of healing now. Another is because we've Gnosticized the gospel and we've said the gospel saves our souls, but it doesn't do much else. Jesus saves our souls, but he doesn't heal our bodies, okay? He doesn't deliver from demons. We, it's because we have post-enlightenment children in the West. We've, uh, that's part of what we've done. That's part of our inheritance. It's a, Gnosticism is an ancient heresy. That viewpoint is only part of the gospel and it's heretical. I just wanna say that. It's not sticking close to the scriptures. It's not. The scriptures are clear. Jesus came to save us and to bring all sorts of healing. Another reason we are scared of this is because he doesn't bring healing every time, nor do we want to say that. There's not some repository in heaven that Christ has purchased where if you just have enough faith, you'll always get healed. That's heresy as well. We're scared of that and we should be. But because we're scared of that, we'll just skip over the first part of Acts 3. Thank you very much. That's not for us today. Jesus still saves. Another thing that we do when we say Jesus saves, but he's not interested in our bodies, okay, and we don't have, preach this in full vigor and practice this as a people, we just share the four spiritual laws and we don't say, can I pray for you that Christ might heal you, that maybe that might open up a willingness for you to say, I have a need for Jesus. Can you tell me more? Is that, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. Um, well, so we are scared of, again, this is part of the point I made earlier, we're scared of the heresy of the health, wealth gospel, okay? It's just, if you just trust Jesus enough, he's gonna make you healthy and wealthy. That's not true at all either. That's not true at all either. But I think, and here's what I was gonna say, that what we are saying implicitly, we would never say this out loud, but one of the things that we're saying when we say we believe Jesus can save us from all that we deserve, the wrath of God against our sin, sin, the devil, hell, which he can and does. There is salvation in Jesus' name. Uh, but it has sometimes physical ramifications. He cares about everything that you are and that we are. He cares about the environment. He cares about culture. He cares about your body. One of the things we're saying, we say, we believe he can save from hell, but he doesn't heal anymore. Actually, that's a really sophisticated argument for believing that salvation from death and hell is a lesser work. It's a less of a big deal. It's, it's, it's easier to do that. Jesus accomplished that more easily than he did by being able to heal your body or deliver you from demons. And that's just straight false. We know that for a lot of reasons, but Jesus comes against that hard and pointedly when a man gets lowered through the roof, right in front of him as he's teaching. 
as he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And the guy, why does the guy get lowered from the roof in front of Jesus? Because he can't walk. He's a paralytic, right? He's totally incapable of walking. So his friends, his amazing friends, by the way, they were the ones who had faith. It doesn't even say he had faith. But because they had faith, uh, Jesus says, man, you're healed. Um, so, but before he heals him, he says, you're, because of your, the faith of your friends, what is the first thing Jesus tells him and does for him? Your sins are forgiven. And rightly, I think, because the Pharisees don't know this guy's the son of God and God himself yet. They're like, only, they're grumbling in the back, like the back row. And they're going, they're theologizing. What is he doing? There's only one person that can forgive sins and that's God. So he's taking the prerogative of God here. But Jesus says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. He knows their thoughts. And he's like, just so you know that it's a much, much, there's nothing bigger than what I just did. To forgive sins means that I'm going to go and be your sin sacrifice on the cross. Like we said in our liturgy earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. There's nothing bigger than that. Everything else is a corollary. Everything else flows from that, but it does flow from that. So what he says is, hey, what I'm about to do now is a flea bite in comparison. Get up and walk. Take your mat and go home. When we say that we believe Jesus can still save, but he can't heal and do the rest of the stuff, or he doesn't do that anymore, I think it's a form of, of underestimating the power of salvation and the miracle of that is. Um, okay. So, and there's so much more, but I won't, I won't say any more there. Let me, let me tell you a story. A lot of stories are going to come. That's, that's most of the theologizing. Another story by Blount, he, um, he was privileged to be able to pray for a girl that had one good ear, and the other ear was not good at all. It was shriveled up like a raisin almost, just you couldn't even see it hardly. And she'd had cosmetic surgery such that they put an, like a waxen sort of thing on her, it looked like an ear, but it, it, had, it was actually absolutely no functionality. And so he was able to pray for her, um, and she got full hearing as he prayed for her um, in that fake ear. Uh, and then he, that's not even the story, though. That's just the preface. So he goes from there, and he's down in Brazil a few weeks or a few months later on a, on a trip. And there's a night of praise, and, and, and the board's being preached, and there's, he's anticipating healing. He's on, he's on a healing and a prayer team. And he has, as he's on the bus heading there, he has faith arise in him. He just has this faith arise in him to maybe partly because of this girl, but he's, I, feel, I believe God wants to heal from a bunch of ways tonight, but he, uh, hearing in particular. He knows nothing about the event. So he goes there, but he feels like um, as soon as he walks in, like his faith is being assailed in that way. And so he's trying to hang on to it. And he sees that there's a section for the deaf, and there's a person, uh, I think there's a person signing. There might not have been a person signing. It would seem cruel if there wasn't, but there was a, a section for the deaf. And his face, he says, he uses the word skyrockets. So my face skyrocketed when I saw, okay, I think this is from the Lord. And so he starts to pray into that. And all night God's using him to, all sorts of people are coming to Christ. There's healing of all sorts, but not any from deafness. So then he remembers it in the middle of the night and he, and uh, somebody comes up to him like right then, her name's Anna. And she, uh, she goes, can I sign, uh, can I translate for you? And so she knows Portuguese, she knows English, and, and, and I think that was the beginning of the night. That's, that's the person that allowed him to pray with people and see all, God all, do all sorts of stuff. But the, uh, there was no healing from hearing because he hadn't gotten over that section. It's like the whole night he's trying to work his way over, but it, it hadn't happened yet. So then she says to him, 
oh, would you like me to go over there? Because I can, uh, and then she goes over and she starts signing in Portuguese. He's like, what? She can sign? She, she just came out of nowhere. She can sign in Portuguese as well, and she can speak my language, and she can, she can speak Portuguese. So he has her, and they go over eventually. And by the time they get there, six people have already left out of the 12 deaf that were there. But by the end of the evening, all six had gotten healed from their deafness. And the first couple that got healed, she was a woman. She was pregnant. And, and he, every time the Lord healed through Brian, Brian's not healing. Brian's not healing. Jesus is healing. Jesus is the one who reigns. Jesus is the one who died on a cross. Jesus is the one who defeated death. And Jesus is the one who's alive. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who healed through Peter and John. And he's the one who heals you and heals through you. It's not us. And I'm gonna get to that in a second, okay? But so Jesus comes, Jesus comes, Jesus did come, okay? But the woman gets healed of deafness and she's freaking out. She's hearing all these sounds and they're kind of scaring her because she's been deaf. And then he goes, I'm, I'm not, you pray, you pray for your husband. So that every time someone gets healed, the next person passes it on because it's Jesus that's doing it. And so all these people are getting trained up and seeing God, it's not this man of God, Brian, it's the God of men. That's what he says, right? And so he, he says the coolest thing, he says, these, this couple, I was so, I was crying because not only did they get healed of deafness, but they would be able to hear, their, there was their first child she was pregnant with, they would be able to hear the first cries of their kid. And their kid came out, and that just tore him up. And, uh, and then he said, I believe that all 12 would have gotten healed that night if the six hadn't left. And so it's just an amazing um, story. And he says this. He said, it's not just physical deafness that Jesus wants to heal. He also wants to heal our spiritual deafness. Okay, and I want you all to hear that this morning. I believe a spiritual deafness has fallen over much of the church today. This spiritual deafness has blocked us from hearing Jesus' commissioning to his church, to all believers. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. This is Jesus telling us through his disciples. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? So Jesus is, is, is in the business of healing. Okay? Body and soul. Is he going to do it every time? Is, no. Is there some, some depository, some some deposit a repository up in heaven that's a bank that if we just have enough faith, uh, we can pull it down? No. But this is so clear. We theologize around it, but it's so clear that he does this. He does it through his early church. He's doing it through his church today all over the world. I want to believe that he can do it through us. And that it's, it's just part and parcel of the total salvation package that he has for us. Now, let me stop here and just say this brief before moving to point two, which is so short, so much shorter, okay? Um, one of, one of, so one of the things we want to do as we walk in this is we want to use this as a platform to, to see people come to Christ, to see them bow to the king and to receive all that he has for them, right? This isn't, just, this isn't a magic show. This is the king coming for full restoration and coming to set people free, okay? Um, one of the reasons, am I, do I need work? Do we need work? I don't know that I can speak for you as much. I can't speak for you as much, but I know you. I can, I can speak for myself, and you can say yes and amen if you agree with me. I need work in one of the reasons, in just speaking the name of Christ, in sharing Christ with people all around me, on the way, telling the gospel wherever I go. Um, I think that one of the reasons I don't see more people respond to Christ and, and I don't have more gospel conversations is because I don't, I don't follow Christ's command to preach the kingdom and to preach Christ. I hide, I hide that. I hide my lamp under a bushel so often. 
Um, and I think that one of the reasons we're, we don't see this kind of stuff happen, a huge reason is that we just don't ask. We don't walk in it. We don't take chances. And I'm going to get to that in a second, okay? But I would say, let's give this some months. Let's try to walk in this and then see it come back and go, man, I've been trying. Let's not say I haven't seen anything yet because we haven't tried. Is that fair? We haven't tried. Let's try for three or four months or half a year or a year and then come back and go, you know what? I haven't seen a darn thing. I've been asking. I've been, I've been seeing this in the scriptures. I'm trying to let the scriptures form my theology and not the other way around. Not let my theology form God's word, okay? Let's let God's word speak to our word and to our lives. That's the way it should be, okay? Um, okay, so that's that. That's, that's the first challenge. Jesus came to heal. We see it here. We see it in the church. Let's walk in it. Okay, number two is we have what people need. I don't know if you, you probably didn't hear me, but man, when Robin read verse six, I couldn't help but cry out in praise. If you look at verse six, it just makes me wanna sing hallelujah. For some reason, as I was preparing this, this, um, this week, this thing just, it was like a highlighter, and that's usually the Holy Spirit. When you're reading the Bible and something seems like there's just a highlighter on it, that's typically the spirit of the living God. Um, but Peter said, so he looks at him, and the guy's looking up to get, he's, he's been invalid from birth. This didn't happen like 20 years into his life. From birth, he's not been able to walk, okay? And he, he's looking for a little change, a little chump change, right? But Peter says, I got nothing for you. Well, he doesn't say that. He says, I don't have any silver or gold. He says, look at us. Um, and I'm in verse five, okay, verse six. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. So the guy's bummed for about half a second. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The phrase that looked like it was highlighted and remains so in my mind and heart and that I think that the Lord really has for us to be impressed by, to be pressed, impressed on us this morning is this. Peter saying to this man who is very much in need in every way. I, I don't have coins lining up my pockets, but here's the line. What I do have I give to you. That so convicted me. Do I say that to people? What I do have, and what do I have? I have Jesus Christ himself, the living God, risen and reigning, having buried, confronted, and defeated and buried death and sin and hell and Satan on the cross. And he lives inside of me by his Holy Spirit. Am I going around, whether, whether articulating or not, and saying to people, I may not have lots of what you want. In fact, I know I don't. In this culture, I have a ton of what people aren't looking for. But I have every single thing you need. And what I do have, I give to you. And his name is Jesus Christ. Um, we have what people need, regardless of whether they know it. Um, the one thing, and my question to myself and to us is, if we have him and we do, why aren't we giving him away more? Why aren't we giving him away more? We have what people need, point two. I might come back to that. Point three, um, healing and the other gifts of the spirit can open people up to Jesus who are otherwise not interested or closed. So um, again, the, the guy in the, outside the Mac store on the crutches, maybe Elva, we'll see how that turns out. But she was immediately open for me, to me praying for her because of her knee, right? And maybe that'll open her up to Jesus. Um, another way of saying this is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can lead people into relationship with the lover of their souls, their savior and their king, okay? A short story uh, from Blount about him on the phone. 
with, uh, with a telemarketer. We get these calls, sadly. I hang up on 10 a day. 10 a day, no problem. And he was about to do the same thing. He rarely answers this kind of call, but he, he just had a fleeting sort of passing thought. Um, may, maybe answer this one. And so, or maybe he answered it and he realized it was a telemarketer who was trying to sell a vacation. And then he had that thought like, I'm gonna say what I always do, which is, hey, thanks so much. God bless you. Um, or I don't know if he says that, but I'm, I got stuff to do. Thanks so much. Bye, click. But he had a fleeting thought, maybe engage this guy in conversation. He almost didn't, but he decided to go with it. He's like, heck, I mean, 10 minutes, right? What could it hurt? So he goes with it and turns out the guy's, he goes, the guy gave a good pitch. I needed what he had to offer anyway. I was looking for a vacation. It was, it was actually a good deal. So I bought one for me and my wife. And I mean, the guy's got six kids, so he travels all around the world for ministry. I'm sure he needed the vacation. Um, but the guy's name is Luke. And he started, he, right before the guy hung up, he's like, can I, Luke, can I go out on a limb and just, um, he's like, I'm a Christ follower. I love Jesus. He's my Lord and King. And I believe he loves you too. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And Luke, uh, and he said, he said, look, he said, look, I, I get sort of impressions about the ways that people are hurting that I would have no way of knowing, but Jesus knows. He's like, I might be wrong here, but can I go out on a limb and just say, are you dealing with any of these things? And he listed off three things and Luke, and, and it was all physical stuff. And Luke said, all three, he goes, whoa, dude, I'm getting chills right now. What's up? All three of those things are right. So this is a word of knowledge. This is a gift of the spirit that Brian walks in. And through that, not only did the guy get healed, he's like, you're gonna feel a warm sensation coming on all over your body. I believe Jesus wants to heal you right now. The guy got healed up and then it unlocked him to be able to start talking about Jesus as king and savior and Lord. And the guy goes, to be honest, man, I, uh, I, I'm hard toward God because of, of um, just stuff in my past. He said, I'm divorced and I've been really hurt and I'm, I'm really full of anger. He said, to be honest, this is a direct quote, I've fallen away from the faith, I went through a bad divorce, and I have all this anger inside of me. Luke ends up feeling the love of Jesus because literally homeboy's sitting there healed through a phone conversation as a telemarketer with the guy he just sold a vacation to. He feels the love of Jesus. Brian uses it to say, dude, that is just a piece of, of the love of Jesus Christ, and he went to the cross for you, and he, and he is risen and reigning, and he loves you, and he wants to be king of your life. And so Luke, that opened Luke up, a guy who was closed and angry, and thought that maybe God was judging him. He goes, God, God isn't judging you, man. He's coming after you through me, and he wants you as his own child. So the guy prayed to receive Christ. He's like, I gotta hang up, man. I'm, uh, I gotta go cry. And, and, uh, and I'm sure Justin's had a ton of these conversations, right? Justin's often the one crying. I think Brian was probably crying. And he's like, man, this is great. Isn't this awesome how God works? Like, I got a vacation, and you got everything. You know, <laughs> like, you got Jesus and eternal life and healed. And the guy's like, yeah, I gotta go, I gotta go cry. I love you, bro. Blank, click. Um, Number four, the Holy Spirit makes us bold witnesses to Christ's person and reign. Just look at Peter here. Look at how, number one, quite simply but profoundly, he doesn't see this guy healed and then go, that's amazing. All right, let's go pray and just leave. He doesn't do that. He gets up and he uses it as a platform to preach the gospel to hundreds of people because he sees that that is part of what this gift, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are to Draw attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves nothing more. Listen to this, friend. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit loves nothing more than putting a spotlight on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, I can honestly, I can say it this way, lives for putting a spotlight 
on Jesus Christ. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are to edify us and to cause people to bow down in awe and go, who is this Jesus and what has he done for me? And Peter takes full advantage of that. And think about this before I move on from Peter. Think about this. Think about the Peter. It's hard to relate, kinda, until you start hearing more and more stories from Ryan and others. It's like, this is, this is to be democratic. This is for anyone who wants it. This is the spirit of the living God through the victory of Jesus Christ for anyone who comes to Christ and says, work through me. I'm, I'm, I'm yours, okay? This isn't for special people. This is for children of God, okay, um, whom Christ fills. But look at Peter before uh, the cross. This is the same dude. Peter before the cross, in his own strength and effort, denied Christ three times. Even though he said he wouldn't do it, when the pressure came, he couldn't hold up and he denied his maker and his savior three times. And then Christ went to the cross. Christ didn't leave him. Christ went to the cross and he laid his life down for him instead. And that's what he does for us. The Peter who's endowed with the spirit that Christ died to give us and is reigning to pour out in us, okay, to, to bring all of the benefits of Christ into our lives for for salvation, for healing, for all sorts of stuff that he has for us, to see people come to Christ. Um, that Christ made Peter a lion. It made Peter a lion. And Peter used that platform um, to exalt Jesus Christ. I was thinking earlier this week in preparation for this sermon um, about, I'm, I'm spending some time in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. And where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, if salt loses its saltiness, what's it good for? In other words, like, okay, he's talking about his children. He's talking about kingdom citizens who are alive in him. And he's saying, look, salt is good for one thing, saltiness. Right? It flavors food and it preserves food. But if salt ceases to be salty, what is it? What's it good for? Zero, because it only has one function. If we who, are, who have Christ inside of us, who are Christians, we are to be identified by Christ himself. If we aren't bringing people to Christ, preaching Christ in our word and deed. What are we doing? What are we good for? The one thing that's supposed to identify us, Jesus, we're kind of putting him under a bushel and we're just acting like, yeah, there's a greater chance for me so many times. It's a little different because I'm a pastor, but that people would be around me and not even know that I'm a Christian for possibly months, okay? Wouldn't I, I, I can't even, I, I just don't want any part of that anymore. What is Jesus saying is, if Jesus is what identifies us, if he is in us and supposed to be who we are, we're Christians, we're little, we're little Jesuses walking around with his spirit in us. If we kind of put that aside or put that under a bushel, what are we good for? What are we good for? Um, that can so often more be me as opposed to I am so identified by Christ that people are gonna, they're not gonna guess, they're gonna go, that dude loves Jesus, he's full of something, it freaks me out, he's weird, would I so much, I'm so much more afraid of that rather than just, just having people not even know that I'm a Christian for months. How, how can that be? These are all the sorts of things that went through my head as I'm, as I'm reading about Jesus saying, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt loses saltiness, what's it good for? Nothing but to be thrown out. And he says the same thing. You're the light of the world. How absurd to cover a light in darkness, to cover a light with like a big heavy blanket or a tarp. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but that's what, that's what we do. But Peter uses Jesus and what Jesus has just done for this man to, and what the Holy Spirit has done to this man through the work of Jesus to spotlight Christ. Can we, I'm just making this a prayer as I proclaim it. 
can, Lord, can you make us this kind of people who, who allow the Holy Spirit to work through us in every situation as life goes about such that we would be spotlights for Jesus Christ. We wouldn't run away from it and go, oh, there are a ton of people coming. You got healed. That's cool, but shh, this is embarrassing. On the contrary, whether it's in a one-on-one relationship, in a drive-through, whether it's in a mall or somewhere else, that we could be people who go, this is the one identifier for me. This is the one thing that I am. I am a Christian bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You might be something else completely, but we are Christians. We follow Christ. He is in us. We are carrying our crosses and following him. We will go to the grave for him. If, if there's nothing else that I want to identify me, there's nothing else that does identify me. This is it. Is that embarrassing? Sorry, at least you know my allegiance. At least you know I'm salty. I'm light. I shine. I'm done with the other. I'm done with the other. I really am. I really am. And this is a confession and a prayer. Seriously, I'm the most cowardly, man-fearing person in my flesh. Oh, I want people to think so well of me. Please don't make a scene. Even if it's for Jesus and to see hundreds of people come to him. Please, I'm that selfish, it's truly. And it is terrifying. And I'm winding down, and I'm probably not gonna preach the next couple points, so I'm winding down. I know time is, time is, is nigh. But um, listen to this, Revelation 21, second to last chapter in the Bible. Listen to this as I bring it down and then, and then wind to a close. Revelation 21, verse six, John writes this, John, the beloved, and he said to me, this is the he is Jesus, <laughs> talking to John. Check this out. These three words, are there sweeter words than this? And he said to me, it is done. (laughs) What did he say on the cross? It is finished. This is Jesus. This is the voice of Jesus. This is the word made flesh. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty Are you thirsty? I'm not saying are you perfect. I'm not saying are you clean. Are you filthy? Are you dirty with your own sin and the weight of all that you've been carrying? The Christ's only question is, hey, are you clean? He doesn't wait for clean people. He says, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty enough that you're gonna come to the well and get a drink? Because he is the He is the well of life that will spring up and up and up. And if you come to him, that well is coming inside of you and it's gonna start springing up in you too. That's just the way it works. So he says, He says, he says, to the thirsty, I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. It's free, free for us, infinitely costly to him. It cost him everything. It wasn't free for him, but it's free for us because he paid the price with his own soul and body, right? So uh, to the thirsty, I'll give him the spring of the water of life without payment. That's not the scary part. We're getting to the scary part. That's the amazing part. To the one who conquers, um, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Oh, beautiful. Verse eight of Revelation 21. Here's the scary part. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, it's one of those sins, those list of sins that scares me. The detestable as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The scary thing is that cowards head that list. God forbid, God forgive me and change me. God forbid that I should be a person who refuses because I want to be liked by other people, 
who refuses to be identified with the Lord who laid his life down for me and took it up again. I'm sorry, Lord. I want 0% of that life anymore. I don't want to be afraid of men. I want to be afraid of you because you are good. He's not safe. He'll devour you whole, just like Aslan, but he's good. Okay? Revelation 14.9, to wrap that up. Revelation, excuse me, Numbers. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the Torah. Numbers 14.9. God equates um, rebelling against him to rebel against the Lord um, is tantamount to being afraid of the people in the promised land that his people have been told to go and fight against. Those who are afraid of the people, of what they see, rather than of the living God, are, that are equated with, he says, you have rebelled against me. Lord, forgive us. I'm just saying, forgive me. I had the list. Forgive us. Make us a bold people. Peter denied you, and then look what happened. Holy Spirit, come and change us and have us to identify with the one who gives us an identity that lasts, okay? Um, ooh, this next stuff is so good, but I'm not gonna preach it for time. I, that's okay, because maybe I'll just preach it next week. I, I don't think I can not preach it. Maybe I'll just lump it in with next week. Let me, um, how am I gonna close this down? Let me just say this. I'll close it down this way, and then I'll pick it back up next week, so we're okay. Um, I remember, I'll close with a story. I remember um, I was privileged to meet a, the pastor of the largest church in the Middle East a few years ago during my fellowship before we planted this church. His name's Pastor Sameh, and he's the, he's the pastor of the biggest church in Cairo. Um, 7,000 a week, 30,000 tune in weekly. It's kind of like this church, about the same, about the same. Take a few zeros off, 30. Um, and... We were all so impressed with when he walked in the door. We knew about, it was like right after the Green Revolution and and the Arab Spring is happening and it's just this huge, uh, all this unrest and turmoil and churches are getting bombed in the Middle East and all sorts, especially in Cairo, like everything's happening. And I'm expecting a man to come in like with the weight of the world on his shoulders, like burden for Christ. I'm just burdened. Not at all, quite the contrary. He had a pinstripe shirt on. I think it was untucked, like a polo. Walks in, fresh as the, a spring breeze, fresh as, fresh as a daisy, fresh as the morning. I mean, the guy didn't have a weight on him. And he was just so kind and so humble. And I was just like, what is the deal, man? I think that was like my question. It was so profound. So what is the deal, man? Uh, he talked to us for about 30 minutes and we just said, what is the secret? What are you drinking? What's, what's in the water over there? And he just said, you know what? When people come to me, and thousands do, I guess, uh, I just send them to Jesus. I just say, oh, <laughs> I mean, how simple is that? He's like, that's what Peter did, yo. Peter's like, I have nothing. I mean, literally, I have a few things in my pocket, but like, he's just doing this to the guy. I got nothing. I don't have the silver and the gold. I got a piece of gum. You probably don't want that. And there's nothing in my wallet, man. I got some keys. But what I do have... Ooh, what I do have, I'm going to give you right now. Get up. Get up. And we have Jesus. We have Jesus. Um, and that's what Pastor Samay said. He's like, he's the miracle maker. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the King. He's the man. He's the God. He's the one that connects us. He's done everything. He's all that we are. 
and you can have them. Just go that way. I'm just a Jesus pointer. Just, I'm a gate. Just, you come to me and I just swing open. You know, like, get thee up the mountain that way. And he's already come down, so you're good. He's right, he's right there waiting for you. Are you thirsty? That's it. That is it. And so, God, let me just close in a prayer to kind of preach it. But, and I, we'll be back next week. Don't worry. We'll be back next week. We're not going anywhere. I mean, God could take me, but he's God, so he knows what he's doing. Um, Lord, uh, make us the people who show and tell your gospel. Lord, Jesus is all sorts of good news, and I think he's all sorts of good news that we've only just started to taste. Some of our theological paradigms of like these high fluent arguments that are actually totally unscriptural. Um, and so, Lord, you came to bring total salvation package. Um, is, it, is it true that sickness is never your will? No. I defy that. There is so much heresy around this, and it, and it rightly scares us, but help us Help it not to scare us past your clearly revealed word and what you have come to bring us into fullness of life. And do you use pain and not heal sometimes because my power is made sufficient in weakness? Absolutely. Do we have the book of Job in the Bible? Yes. Did you go to the cross? Yes, you did. But Lord, you heal. You deliver. You set free. You bring freedom. You are the bondage breaker. Would you bring us into this proclamation and demonstration of the gospel that people might come to you, that we might be a body who are just gateways to you, great King Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We honor you as the one God. We bless you. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Spotlight Jesus through your body. In Jesus' name, amen.